that CMO Confidential Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Bob Lyodice. Today's topic, the ANA CEO talks about the future of marketing. Now, Bob has been with the Association of National Advertisers, the ANA, for nearly 30 years joining that organization after cutting its teeth in consumer goods and media. So a nice broad background. The ANA was founded in 1910, and it's designed to really be the voice of the marketer. It represents more than 1,600 companies and over 20,000 brands, and it works to deliver important research and collaboration on key industry issues. Full disclosure, I have known the ANA for many years, including spending some time on their board. Welcome, Bob. I'm excited to have you on the show. Mike, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, We have known each other for a long time, so let's have some fun and good conversation. Should be a blast. All right. I think given your catbird seat of seeing marketing like all over the world, give us a quick overview, like a writ large on the landscape. What are you hearing from members like just out there in general about marketing and advertising? Yeah, sure. It's a... we're in a, a very unusual time, Mike. It's uh, it's a time for great excitement because we've got new opportunities through technology, call it artificial intelligence, marketing technology, programmatic media. When you think about those technologies and compare it to when we cut our teeth many, many years ago, as you mentioned, it's it's like a brand new world. It's it's a phenomenal environment to to be a marketer. To have these immense tools at our capability so that we can better reach our consumers and our customers, and to do so in a way that essentially delivers what they want to hear and in the way they want to hear it. And the past 10 years has just been such a dynamic overhaul of how we do reach those consumers and customers. So I think it only adds to the excitement that we have and to the proficiency and capability of what it is that we can do as marketers in order to be able to elevate our brands and our businesses and to be able to drive growth. Now, so, so Mark, before you finish that, I just want to put a button on that because I think this is is really key probably to the, the whole discussion, which is technology. Marketers are always at the front of technology, meaning the customer and the company. And that technology has exploded and marketing has been in many instances on the front end of this, which is a fabulous thing for personalization and AI and efficiency and everything else. Right. But there's probably another side to the story that you're about to get into. <laughs> so why, why don't we get into that? Sure. And that, that's you're absolutely right. 
you know, like uh, th there's no free lunch, so to speak. And, and, and in not getting that free lunch, we've also invited a lot of uh, negativity into the capability set that many marketers have. Let's begin with experience. So much of this technology, Mike, which you just nicely captured, is essentially brand new to many marketers, uh, particularly veterans like you and me. And in that regard, when you don't cut your teeth on it, you don't necessarily understand the fundamentals of what it's going to take to succeed and how to be able to drive business, how to be able to drive growth. What's the core integration of all of these new tools and, and weaving that in with an explosion of data, excellence, and analytics that we now have in front of us. And what you're leaving is a CMO that is probably more confused than ever as to how to be able to harness all of these uh, equities that they have at their disposal so they can move their brands and businesses to that next level, which are the expectations of the CEOs and the CFOs. Further complicating that, is our, our issues and barriers such as brand safety, ad fraud, the inability to be fully transparent with their data sets, whether they be the wall gardens or the complexities of the digital media supply chain. Tell me a CMO that really gets all of that and I'll show you a CMO that is remarkably successful. That would be the unicorn. Yeah, That would be yeah. the unicorn. You're yeah. absolutely right. And that's where we have this kind of relationship which is really gnawing at i think most of the cmos they see the gold ring but they also know that they have to climb the mountain in order to be able to leverage those insights and perspectives from all of those tools and capabilities which we just talked about but don't really know how to get there nor do they have necessarily the experienced teams and resources for how to navigate that are their agencies fully capable and conversant in those areas? Do they necessarily have a staff which have the requisite skills to be able to leverage all of the things that we've talked about? The answer is probably not. And we find many CMOs that are not necessarily um, adept at being able to figure that out. And what's further frightening, Mike, is that while we can always count on the big boys and girls out there, the Unilevers, the, the General Motors, the P&Gs, to kind of figure out how to get some of that done. We always look at the small to medium-sized businesses, Mike, as kind of, if we don't get to them and, and have them be able to figure it out, it's just not going to work. There's going to be a growing gap in capability sets, and more and more marketers are going to get overrun by the explosion of technology and capability. So the tools are outpacing the practitioner at speed, but also I, I will make a case and you can tell, help me if I'm wrong, because we talked a little bit before, before the call about there's the easiest thing to do is move to efficiency here versus growth, right? Because you can see the efficiency in the tool. The growth is a lot harder sometimes to, to see it's it's, am I calling that right? And oh, yeah. particularly in that mid mid range to small company, it's like, I'm going to get my CAC right. I'm going to get my efficiency right. And growth will fall out of all this efficiency. And I, I, I think, tell me what you think about all yeah, that. Yeah, well, perfectly said. So we just recently released a study on programmatic media transparency. And in that release, uh, we identified that in the $88 billion open web, $22 billion or one-fourth of the total investment in open web is unproductive or wasteful. 
So we all gravitated towards programmatic media, towards to, to getting the efficiency that you just nicely identified. And you know what? It is efficient. It's super the efficient, yeah. <laughs> the ability to make all billions of transactions in less than a second is, is absolutely exciting and wonderful. But does anybody really know how to use it in order to be able to do it? So what we found out was that many marketers were not aware that we were investing heavily into MFAs, made for advertising investments, which are extraordinarily wasteful and non-productive because they're really not targeted at a specific consumer base that there is so much that m many campaigns utilize as much as on average 44,000 websites to deliver a campaign. Shut right? up. Yeah. 44,000 websites was the average of the 21 marketers that, that were leveraged for this particular study. That many uh, SSP utilization with the digital media supply chain are at 15, 20, 30, 40 SSPs in order to be able to conduct their campaign when they only really need maybe five to seven. So there are many practices that are essentially not working to the benefit of the marketers. And can you imagine one out of $4 being wasted? And in fact, in the digital media supply chain, only 36 cents that essentially enters into the DSP reaches the consumer. 36 cents of every dollar spent that reaches the DSP. Right, so non-working dollars is 64 cents. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, I, I think this is interesting, and I'd love to hear your take on it, which is, so in the rush to efficiency and extending reach and, you know, doing things at the most economic, easiest way to do it, which is the web, what's happening to growth in this story? Are people getting growth out of these things, or are they just, are they just really more efficiently churning the same water? Uh, I, I think the latter is is the answer. And what we're finding is that all of this technology and capability is the cost of doing business today. Yep. What we've done is we've made it more capable, but the ability to gain temporary or even permanent competitive advantage is slipping away. And that's for all the reasons we spoke at at the beginning of the inability to catch up in enough time and sense to be able to leverage these tools for their full capability. And, and how do we know this? Well, you know, when we look at the totality of, uh, of our ecosystem, we, uh, we, we began using the Fortune 500 as a measure of what we'll call industry growth. It's not a perfect measure by no means, but it's a guideline. And what we found is in the decade from 2000 to 2010, the average revenue growth rate of the Fortune 500 was roughly 4%. When we look at the decade between 2010 and 2020, the average rate of growth was 2.8%. Wow. So despite the explosion of digital and social media and the increase in that capability, growth has in fact, average rate of growth has actually declined. And while I don't have the figures for the current decade, which is relatively new, uh, we're not necessarily seeing anything that would make us uh, click our heels because COVID impacted a lot of that. And many, many marketers are still getting on their feet with lots of staffs being cut and an increasing level of priorities. So so tell me how there's two there's two things there. And and, and I want to I want to ask a specific question, but sure. so the uh, so growth is is under a little bit of pressure. I think B2B growth, particularly given the valuation pullback and the pullback of free money and interest rates and everything else, that to me, B2B looks like a super hard year. 
Right to marketer in this story, how are roles evolving? You know, Esty just took out the CMO role, um, you know, just recently. Um, so tell me about the evolving role of the, of the marketer in the in this space. What are you seeing and how, how should people be thinking about it? Yeah, it, it's very interesting you asked that question because we had this conversation uh, down at the Masters of Marketing Conference with uh, an exclusive group of, of CMOs. And uh, McKinsey did a study for us that uh, basically indicated that the the gap between the CMO and the CEO is pretty wide. And so the ability to navigate those expectations uh, would indicate that the CEO is uh, not respecting the role of marketing and uh, the ability to generate what they've been charged to generate, which is business and brand growth. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with a, a lack of comprehension as to how to be able to connect the two. Uh, the, the expectations of a CEO uh, of what a CMO should do are in fact rapidly evolving. Uh, and in many instances, you will see CMOs no longer become CMOs. They will become chief growth officers. They will become chief digital specialists. They will become everything but what they have been charged to do, which is become chief marketing officers. And part of that is, uh, uh, I think, uh, a recognition that marketing is extraordinarily much more complex than it ever was. Mike, I, I don't think I could do the job myself. Uh, these days, recognizing where I came from, when when essentially had all you had to know was television, radio, and print, and the rest was easy. Now we've got to understand data. We've got to understand the science of this, the technology, all of these things which many CMOs have not been appropriately trained and, and had the level of success that they should have experienced in order to be expert in their role. And that's the reason why more and more CMOs, whoever is left in that realm, and there are quite a few left. They, they, I mean, granted, there are some high-profile CMOs that are no longer CMOs, uh, and, and but the churn rate is on CMOs is still high and they're looking for those those answers as to how to become a better CMO, how to harness agencies, how to harness data, how to be able to harness the technology that is so critically important for them to be able to succeed. And that's why we're seeing more and more of the focus in on talent, particularly at the senior level under the CMO, so that we have greater degrees of subject matter expertise being brought into those corporations so that they have the ability to harness that information and to translate that into the necessary growth that will not only keep CMOs in their place, but will in fact raise the bottom line growth rates, which is what CMO, uh, CEOs and CFOs are looking for. I think a super important point uh, that you can't possibly, and, and I'm going to lift your quote as a, a thing for the show, because that's why we started the show is so hard. Um, you know, the CMO job is just evolving at speed. Um, but you have to hire under you to manage all this. You can't possibly know all of it, but you have to have a plan to put it all together too, to generate some growth versus just efficiency. Because if your story is just efficiency, the web makes efficiency available to everybody, really. Sure. And and so that's that's a that's a really big deal. But Mike, can I let me interrupt you? I, yeah, I really please, want to because there's a point I want to make. And this kind of gets at the growth equation. If you think about our conversation so far, call it whatever, 15 minutes, the one word that we haven't necessarily used uh, more explicitly is branding or words, branding creative. 
you know, yeah. we have almost forgotten that we need to be, build that brand to essentially leverage creativity to bring back the glory of brand excellence. And I think the, the art and craft of marketing has forgotten that when you build a brand, you elevate your capability to be able to drive that revenue because you create that direct linkage to consumers and customers that heretofore you've not been able to do. And I really do think that in the realm of all of this emerging technology, we have to go back and ask that basic, basic question, how do I successfully build my brand? I, I, I love this line, and we may do a whole other show on this, um, because I, I think one of the things that is going on is people assume that if you get more and more efficient, the consumer will buy your efficiency, but that's not what they buy at all. And if you look at how great brands win, they get a premium, and it's not about the fact that they are efficient marketers it's that they're a better brand and they are delivering some benefit that consumers are totally willing to pay for. And it's not a straight math efficiency equation. No. So, 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 so I think that is a, a, a super point. Tell me, are, are you seeing any big differences between B2C and B2B? It's a great question, Mike. I, I, I always love this, this conversation because if you asked me that question 10 years ago, I would say they're night and day. Yeah, But I do think that uh, in the past few years, especially, there is a greater degree of intersection uh, between B2C and B2B. In fact, we've almost got it to the point that we're that many marketers are saying, you know what, it's not about B2C or B2B. It's about B for H, brands for humans. Uh, and uh, we're seeing more of that. And the reason why I say there's a greater degree of intersection and commonality between the two, I think, goes back to uh, part of our earlier conversation, and that it is technology and data. Uh, the uh, I think B2B marketers have become increasingly savvy and in many instances have passed B2C in their capabilities and utilization of data and technology and probably even more so measurement capabilities. Well, because you, you got you have this controlled known customer group and in certain businesses you can see all of them so you can measure every single thing and you can A-B test the hell out of it. That's exactly right. You just hit the nail on the head. And that's the reason why I think B2B marketers are just as capable as many B2C marketers. It is not the poor stepchild that we might have thought about it earlier in our careers. In fact, it is a very dynamic level of marketing that embraces experiential marketing for uh, and, and a lot of sponsorship marketing and relationship marketing. And, and you may not have all of the, the tools and capabilities, but when you think about pure content marketing, which is fundamental to so much of what we do, B2B marketers are very, very savvy. Uh, look, I can make a case that B2B marketing is going to be on the forefront of a lot of these technologies because of its. you can see the customer group and you can do all these measures sure. and then you can figure out which technologies work for you a lot easier because you have all that data. Agreed. Um, so when, when you look, you know, you've been at the ANA for a long time and, and um, look out at 24, the rest of the year, what are you thinking are the big issues for the ANA and all, all of your, you know, members, like yeah. what should they be thinking about now? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it, we, we could probably talk for a couple hours on all of that. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of, we'll call it big tissue, big ticket issues and opportunities. 
the issue is that we, we've kind of covered a little bit of that when it comes to brand safety and ad fraud and transparency. Um, but, you know, there are things such as privacy uh, and the ability to kind of get a commonality of privacy laws. I, we, we typically, I'm sure you probably don't get into government regulation and-, and Sadly, that, you know. I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. But that's actually a good thing because- Between Europe, Europe, California, and then everyone else, there's so many laws. You, so. you got it. And that's the reason why we've been fighting for the last five years for national privacy legislation, because we have to have one common set of rules. Can you imagine a marketer trying to navigate among this myriad of complex- rules that they can get sued in one state when it's just fine in another state. It's it's quite frankly awful. It's terrible and it forces you to go to the worst common denominator you can find, which is the most penurious law, and then follow it. It's terrible. Yeah. And and then you well, much of that marketing travels overseas, which gets guided by things such as GDPR right. and other local laws that we probably many of us aren't even familiar with. So that that is a real complicating issue in that regard. Um, in terms of opportunities, um, I think we're just scratching the surface about the marketing word of the year, which is artificial intelligence. And uh, again, I think so many of us are in our junior stage, even though that you know we've been talking endlessly about this for at least the last year or so. And it's not that artificial intelligence is new. We've been We've been in and around artificial intelligence for a good five to 10 yep. years. But the the evolution into generative AI is what I think has everybody excited, where so many people are already leveraging it for a tremendous amount of capability and productivity. And that's great because it will make us, you, you got back to this early, far yeah, more efficient and far more capable. And the ability to weave that in such a way that gives us brands at temporary competitive advantage could be extraordinarily unique in that regard. But the flip side is just think about all of the false narratives that are coming out of the utilization of AI. Uh, the, the, the focus in on IP. Is it my IP or your IP or is it public IP? Who knows what the heck is going out there? What are all the pitfalls of AI being able to bring forward um, creativity that may use character likenesses without the permissions that can so undercut so many different types of campaigns. So as excited as I am about AI, I'm also scared to death about where this is going to go. And the reason why I'm scared is with the advent of digital and social marketing last decade came a plethora of issues that we're still digging our way out of, which we've we've kind of already talked about a little bit before. And Some of them may be getting deeper versus, we may not even be digging our way out of a lot of those issues. They may just, we may not have even found the bottom on some of them. Oh, I don't think we have, but we we have to not make the same mistake twice. It's, it's kind of the- We the, don't need more issues, but but we're probably gonna get them, is, is what I hear you saying. <laughs> it's, it's human nature to kind of just be uh, attracted like like a moth to a light bulb to AI. And sometimes we just don't want to see what the issues are we can, you know, fall into. And, you know, when you think about who are your kind of guideposts, generally they tend to be general counsel and lawyers. They are just still catching up with it. So, you know, we may be making already a mess before we know, have fully realized the potential and capability. But I do think that we're going to find 
at least a better balance than probably what we're doing now. But there is still a lot of caution uh, that we need to uh, adhere to. I think we we're, we're going to do another show later this year and and talk about AI. But we had we had a futurist on the show who said generative AI is like having one million cocky 16-year-old interns working for you. They produce a lot of stuff. Some of it is true. Some of it isn't. But they all want a good recommendation. And, um, <laughs> and he said, let's just watch this thing unfold. So so I, 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 I will come back and talk to you at another time sure. about uh, AI development. <clears throat> You've interfaced with literally thousands of marketers. Tell our listeners what is the difference between the really, really good ones and the just good or or average ones and and how people should be working to be the best they can be if they want to be in charge of marketing or an agency someday. Yeah, it's it's kind of the, the golden nugget. Um, and um, there are a lot of good marketers, but there are very few really great marketers. And... The great marketers are the ones that have empathy and connection to their respective audience. And it doesn't matter whether it's B2B or B2C. Um, And that requires a lot of due diligence and homework. And and I'll I'll point to the easiest one, which is the the chair of the ANA, Mark Pritchard, who um, excels in understanding every component of the fabric of marketing. And that is, he's well beyond knowledgeable in brand and creative. But when you talk to him, that man understands media like is nobody's business. He understands the power of first-party data and the ability to harness third-party data. He understands that we need a greater degree of recognition in data technology and measurement. And one massive differentiating characteristic that he brings to the table is his focus in on what many will call the softer side, but fundamentally important elements of society and sustainability. The notion that DEIB is still a critical point of fabric because we need the accurate representation of women and culture in ads and media and entertainment, which candidly, we're still falling way short. We also have to recognize that in terms of sustainability, it's just not about saving the planet, but that it is about linking your brand strategies to sustainability such that consumers and customers recognize that you have every interest in being authentic uh, towards leveraging the relationship with your consumers, but also having an eye on how to be able to do it without harming the planet. So it's the full scope of what the ANA calls that growth agenda of brand creativity and media, data technology and measurement, talent and marketing organization, and society and sustainability. The weaving of all of those together will produce great marketers like Mark Pritchard. All right, well, Proctor trained Mark Pritchard. So, uh, (laughs) sorry, when you were going over all that, I was thinking of the famous proverb, may you live an interesting time, (laughs) and it's purely, an interesting time for 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 everybody in marketing. Only going to get more interesting. We, we're running towards the end of the show, and sure. and uh, to finish, I have a two part question. You have to take one part. You can take both or one, but you have to take at least one. Okay. Practical advice that we haven't talked about yet for our listeners, and or funniest story you can share on the air. 
Pick one or both of those and let it rip. Well, I'll, I'll at least take the first one because my brain would struggle to find the second one. Um, and it, I, look, when I when I got into marketing, I, I actually began my career in finance. Uh, I have an accounting undergrad and a finance master's and spent seven years in those disciplines. Uh, and that gave me an appreciation. And I grew up in a consumer products company, which is what is now Kraft. Uh, what it gave me an appreciation, which is you have to have both right and bra uh, left brain together. Um, you can't just simply think about marketing as being uh, the right side, the the fun, creative, madmen side of the equation. You just can't. The, the art and science of marketing has changed so much that if you attempt to avoid the heavy left brain link, uh, uh, lifting in the data tech and measurement areas, the media science, uh, you will fail. I, I can pretty much guarantee that. Um, you have to be whole brain. You have to look at the totality of the skills that are necessary to be able to succeed. And what this requires is a level of diligence and determination so that you continuously learn. I, I tell you, Mike, you said at the beginning, I'm here nearly 30 years, and I just continue to learn every day of my life. And I've had to live through all of these evolutions that we've talked about so far. And I've had to learn them because I have to represent, best represent our industry. And it requires a lot of determination, work, and effort to stay on top of these things and to make sense of it. You know, marketing has always been about common sense, but if we can't make common sense of it for ourselves, how do we expect our consumers and customers to truly understand what that's about? And I honestly don't think that that is something that the totality of our marketing enterprise is necessarily understanding that they need to do in order to be able to succeed. And that's why we look at the whole brain of marketing so that we can introduce those concepts to marketers and to train them, train them diligently across all of those. A&A training, which is free to all members. We've got over 100 courses that talk about all aspects of what I just spoke about because we recognize the need to continuously upskill. And it's a life cycle of how do you continuously improve, uh, which is a little bit of the old Kaizen theory that essentially yeah. moved us all forward many, many years ago. If we're not focused in on continuously improving, uh, don't count on a long-term career in marketing. But but also, th I think this is a great way to end the show. And I, I'm going to summarize what you just said uh, it, to make sure we get it right, which is be whole-brained, move towards the hard stuff you don't know, right? Um, even if you don't like it. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> then, and then stay curious because... The marketplace is going to leave you behind if you aren't. Going to set it better. That's really All right. right. Well, I'm glad you agreed to be back on the show because I think there's a lot more to talk about. So sure. thank you, Bob. My pleasure. Uh, and thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for our other shows on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, which include What CMOs Talk About Behind Closed Doors. A contrarian view of everything, everywhere, everywhere, all at once. Is the CMO job headed for extinction? And why is B2B marketing so bad and what to do about it? Hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This is Mike Lindsay signing off for CMO Confidential.